Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey parents, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian for the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And we think this is a pretty special podcast today. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. Uh, But uh, first of all, I want to say welcome to you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. We are still both holed up in uh, coronavirus world and um, here in Arizona, we continue to top the charts, so to speak. Um, is it uh, about the same up there? Well, in Spokane, where I am, it's not as bad as you guys are in Phoenix. No, you you guys are more hotspot. We're we're consistent with cases, but our death rate's very low. Yeah, great, great. Well, wherever we can get good news these days, we'll we'll take it. So, uh, we are recording this in uh, mid July. And uh, so probably sometime August, September, you're having a chance to listen to this. And uh, before I talk about why we think this is a special uh, edition of Wonder of Parenting, we do want to draw your attention to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, where you'll find all kinds of great resources there uh, to take you deeper into the topics that we talk about on this podcast. Also a place there for you to ask your questions. There's a submission form there. And uh, if you've listened regularly, you know that the overwhelming majority of our podcasts have to do with your questions. And uh, as long as you're asking questions, we're going to be doing podcasts. So we'd love to hear from you if you've got a question for us. Uh, Also on that website, you will find a link to our sponsor, A Place of Hope, the center in the Seattle area. And also want to encourage you to head on over to our Facebook page and uh, go to Wonder Parenting on Facebook and join the group there. And they have a lot of great interaction, parents asking questions of each other and and giving advice to each other. It's a great place for those of you who want to connect with other people who enjoy this show. Now, here's the reason why we think that this is a special broadcast for us or podcast. Uh, If our counting is right and our math is right, this is episode number 104, which means that this is our second anniversary of doing this, which uh, we're both a little bit surprised at because it doesn't seem like we've been doing it that long. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. <laughs> now, maybe those of you listening think it's felt like that long, but but for us, it's been great <laughs> and we've been enjoying it. And so uh, what we did last year uh, on our first anniversary was we used the opportunity to, to reset the table, so to speak. And uh, I thought we would do that again today. Uh, and that's why we're calling it Green on the Hot Seat. Uh, this is an opportunity for us, uh, for those of you who've been listening for a long time, to just kind of hear Michael summarize some of the things that are important to this podcast and to his thinking about parenting. And for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast, a chance to listen in. Um, when I go online sometimes to the, the app store and read some of the reviews, uh, of our podcast. Most of them are very, very positive, and we're grateful for that. Uh, but sometimes there are some critics, and when I read some of the criticisms, uh, sometimes I think, did you really listen to the podcast? Because that's not what we said at all. Uh, and sometimes I think, I I think you probably listened to it, 
but you already had preconceived ideas of what you thought we were going to say, and that's what you heard rather than what we really said. And uh, I think any time that you listen to critics, you have to sort of weed through a lot of that, but you also have to ask the question, uh, is there something to it? And uh, when you've done 104 podcasts, which is 30-minute podcasts, uh, that's a lot of, that's 52 hours of talking. And so, uh, Michael, I'm guessing that once in a while we're going to say things even you and I disagree with <laughs> because uh-huh. we, we, yeah. we maybe didn't quite say it the way that we thought. So yeah. uh, this is our opportunity to kind of just step back and uh, look at some big uh, picture things that really inform uh, our uh, weekly podcasts. And uh, so I'm just going to throw a few things out. And you've, you've been dealing with these things for 30 years. Uh, so, but let me start with this one that I thought was kind of interesting. I've seen this a couple times. Uh, it, it, the, the, it's not a criticism so much as just sort of a disclaimer from people who've listened to the podcast. They say, once you get past the fact that these are two white men talking about parenting, you'll actually learn something. And, um, I, I thought, well, that's an interesting comment that, it almost suggests that white men or men in general don't have anything to say about parenting. So take it away, Michael. Do men have something to say about parenting? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, we get the culture, cultural context of it. Um, and and at the same time, we, you know, obviously uh, we have a lot to say about parenting and we have a lot of experience with it. And then we have a lot of research, you know, um, a lot of science so, so I, I think that 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 we can deal with right away. Uh, we don't, you know, someone like my wife's OBGYN, Gail's OBGYN is a man, and and a white man, and um, you know, she swears by him, and he delivered both our babies, and and so this this thing about attaching race or attaching sex to whether a person should be listened to or can be an expert, um, you know, I think that's just kind of juvenile. We have to get away from that. Um, and people just have to expand their vision and they'll see that the very person who wrote that is probably as a doctor who's a, a white male and loves the doctor. So let's let's get away from that kind of racism and sexism. Um, and then let's go to the other one, which is, uh, which is, you know, does a man know as much about parenting? And I think there's a, that goes deep into the human psyche. And what, what we always say, um, and I'll speak for myself, I think you and I agree on this, is that, you know, we know what we know. And um, and as fathers, we know certain things about parenting. We have a certain gut sense of things. We operate in certain ways that, uh, you know, maybe our spouses, um, your Jan and my Gail, but also extrapolated out to other women and other moms, they may see things differently and and are seeing things this way doesn't mean their way is wrong and ours is right because parenting is not a it's not set up that way it's set up by strategically so um so uh, the way a mom does things and the way a dad does things are both right we're by strategic and we're multi-strategic and uh we happen to be two guys who see it not only from a research standpoint and we always want to remind everyone that we wear our research hat first i wear my science hat first I, you know, all this other stuff is second, um, but I am a father. So yeah, I see some things the way a father sees them and that has profound value. And obviously if a mom were sitting on this show, we would say what she says is, has profound value, even if she's a white woman, right? Or, or any of that stuff. 
um, she sees it, she sees not only the science, but she's going to see it somewhat as a mom. And that has profound value. So uh, I get the context of this. It's kind of popular to say this stuff these days among a certain set about white males and all that. But, um, you know, I certainly encourage people to not be racist and sexist to anyone. And when you attack white males, it's just racism and sexism. So why do it? Uh, one of the things that uh, you, you've heard this, of course, because you use a lot of brain science, and that's the, the basis of this show, but I've heard it leveled at other folks who, who speak from a brain science perspective, um, that first of all, there there really are no differences between uh, the brain of a female and the brain of a male, and to even suggest that there are is to, uh, to be uh, sexist or to feed into stereotypes, and, um, and that ultimately... Um, people like Dr. Michael Green are anti-feminist because of their use of brain science. Now, that's a big, broad yeah, uh, right. topic. So you can take it wherever you want to go. Yeah. Yeah, it comes from the same folks. I mean, there's a certain kind of tribe of folks who say these things, and they're not really, I don't think, you know, they're not really doing the research, but they, they, they've seen this on Twitter or something, or, or they just came out of undergrad or grad school and they had a sociology professor say this, um, you know, or they see it on media because every once in a while you do see media put out stories that say there are no differences between male and female and they find some obscure, you know, thing that doesn't really prove it. But so this all goes on and people say it. And, um, and what I always encourage people to do is to actually get into the science. Uh, because once you get into the science of, of, of male, female, of sex and sex on the brain, once you get into that science, then you just can't say that stuff anymore. You know, it, it'll just go away. And I've, I've seen this, um, I've seen this, especially when I speak, uh, you know, whether I go into a community at school or a conference and speak and show brain scans, uh, or even as we do it virtually, you know, these days we're doing more virtually and I show the brain scans um, in, a, in a workshop or a speech I'm giving. And, and, you know, I always know some people are coming in there from that perspective. They got that off the media or or from acad academe, and then they see the brain scans and they listen to me speak and they'll go, oh, okay, well, okay, that was wrong because look at these brain scans, you know, and I show how different the male and the female brain are in, in, all, in all sorts of operations, uh, in cognitive learning, in, in behavioral, in social emotional, um, uh, in parenting, uh, you know, et cetera, uh, and even down to what kind of media males like and females like and differences in what the brain does with visual media versus social media and all of that. So it becomes very clear that male and female brain are set up differently. And uh, so the scans I show now, which I've been able to show since April of 2019, when these, be these became available, is now we can look into the fetal brain. So we can see already at seven, eight months in utero that the male and the female brain are already formatting differently. And, and that's because of the way the, the chromosomes and the hormonal surges work in utero to format the brain into male brain and female brain. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't, you know, billions of males and billions of females who, and some trans folk too, who are also male and female, just in a, in a different way. Um, uh, and that there isn't a gender spectrum. Of course, there's a spectrum of what is male and what is female. Um, uh, so the, from a scientific point of view, the right thing to say, rather than there is no male, female, once you study it, what people end up saying is, okay, sex is binary in that there is male and female, and there is nothing else. There's X and Y chromosomes, so there's male and there's female. That's set up in utero, but at the same time, gender is fluid, so you can get a spectrum of what is male and what is female, and, and on that spectrum is also trans. So, um, uh, but it's still all male and all female with a spectrum. And when stereotyping occurs, uh, which you often see, oh, if you talk about male, female, you're stereotyping. Now that's, that's of course not true. A stereotype, if anyone looks that up, a stereotype is specifically when you make a generalization based on nothing except your opinion and judgment of that sex. And that's a stereotype. Um, what we do is based in science. It it's, can't be stereotype. It does not fit the definition, because what it's based on are are um, uh, you know millions of brain scans, and you don't you you can't jump stereotype off of that. But if you're listening to a comedy routine, like some of our best comics use sex and gender stereotypes to make fun of us, and a lot of that is stereotypy. And you could say, okay, that's stereotyping. Not really sure if they did any science. We laughed at it because it was really funny, but not sure if they did science. We're going to call that a stereotype. Like women want to shop and men don't, something like that. Um, but when you when you look at science and you start with science and then you, you make applications based on what science is showing us and especially what brain scans show us about males and females, then the attack of stereotyping is incorrect. It, it doesn't really fit. Do you think it's fair to say that when we laugh at our comedians who poke fun at our stereotypes as male females, that the reason why we laugh is because intuitively we know that there are, generally speaking, differences between males and females, not necessarily specific stereotypes, but we just generally know we're different? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, everyone who's living life, and especially everyone who's raising both boys and girls, um, uh, and this goes by the way, I mean, I've heard this from, from gay and lesbian couples too, who will say, yeah, I started out, you know, thinking that everything's a stereotype, et cetera. Then I had kids, you know, uh, and oh yeah, there are differences between males and females. I mean, if you're living the life, if you're living in reality and you're raising kids, then you go, oh yeah, well, there are differences. And so comedians smartly figure these differences out. And, and we all listening to them, as you've just said, we get a gut sense that there's something funny in that because there's something right in that. Um, and, and then, though, the way they stereotype is they take it to an extreme. Of course. And then that right. becomes the stereotype part. But the, the reality, like, okay, women, women like to shop more than men, right? People get a lot of laughs out of that because they right. build wonderful routines around that. Well, the reality is that certain shopping, which everyone knows this, that the female brain takes in more sensorial data. So if both a male and a female walk into a Nordstrom's 
um, let's say, they have a different sensorial experience because the sensory register, which is where all the senses come in, are different for males and females. Females are getting more into all five of their senses and it stimulates more parts of their brain, the smells, if they taste anything, the taste, uh, what they see, what they hear, and then what they tactily touch, like soft clothing. They get more to the sensory register, so more parses out to more parts of their brain, and they may well spend half an hour or an hour enjoying that department store in a different way than most males would because we don't get as much into the sensory register. We tend to be more focused on what we came in for. I came in to buy a TV, I'll go to where the TV is. I came in to buy shoes, I'll go to where shoes are. I'm not getting as much into my sensory register, so I'm not having as much of um, an internal pleasurable experience, and so I don't spend as much time shopping. Okay, so th there's brain science to back that up. And, and that, I also think people at a gut sense know because they've lived this and they've seen the men sitting with the packages on a bench somewhere, you know, waiting, looking in their phone while their wife maybe is still shopping. And everyone goes, okay, that's funny. I get that. And and I would say it comes back to the sensory register issue. Um, but then when it, so it's not a stereotype, it is gut sense reality for people. And so they laugh at the comic. And then the comic, of course, takes it into a stereotype and takes it way into an extreme story. And then at that point you say, okay, now we're laughing at the stereotype too. Right, right. Um, now you you uh, have had uh, a, a lot of good work with with girls, uh, but you've had a particular focus on boys. Uh, so you have written some best selling books on girls, but you've really focused on boys, helping boys thrive. Summits, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, one coming up in October. Um, and and so sometimes there are people who may say that you are anti feminism. Oh right, yeah, that uh, one. But you're not. No, no. So tell us a little bit, give us a little bit of your journey, because you used to consider yourself a feminist, but now you wouldn't necessarily label yourself that way, if I'm correct. Yeah, I mean, if it, I, I've always been a feminist in that I've always fought for equal rights for women. I have two daughters who are, you know, highly empowered young women, 27 and 30. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm part of why they are that way. I mean, I've, I've raised fe feminist young women, empowered young women, and devoted myself to that cause. And my parents were devoted to that cause. So I was raised a feminist. My mom was, she passed away now, but she's, you know, born in 28. She's in that same wave with Friedan, that group, a um, little younger. And um, she actually knew Betty Friedan and told us many stories about her. And so I'm, I'm raised with that. I totally believe in equal rights for women. I'm with that. But feminism has changed. And so now it's really complex. What? Who is a feminist? So if if when people ask me, are you still a feminist? I would say, well, I'm still a feminist if we're talking about equity feminism. Equity feminism is, is equal rights. It doesn't have to do with, um, uh, you know, men are bad. Uh, this new kind of gender feminism that's only about 30, 35, 40 years old. You know, especially the last 20, 30 years, men are bad, men are villains, patriarchy is the reason everything happens, women are victims, uh, girls are victims, you know, all of that, even though there are girls who are victims, but there are boys who are victims. So so to, to um, isolate those concepts to build feminist um, pedagogy, which we do see a lot in academe, this kind of gender feminism, that stuff I'm not. Because that's that stuff is just stereotyping. That's just projecting males as villains and white males as villains. And all of these are stereotypes. They're racist. They're sexist. 
um, they're not really what feminism I think is about. Feminism is about equity. So it's about getting equity for everyone and, and feminists fight for racial equity too. And I certainly fight for that. So, um, I, yeah, I think it's the terminology now, and I think it's the kind of co-opting of feminism by folks who are just not in, involved in science or in, in in kind of social thinking that fits where we are and what people need, and um, that just ironically does the very thing they attack others for doing, which is creating stereotypes, being racist, and being sexist. They do those very things. So I'm not that gender feminist, but I would be an equity feminist. And to your point about me not calling myself fem feminist, I mean, I just try not to label because the label gets so weird. But um, but definitely, I, I, I'm still fighting for equal rights for women. And a lot of what I do for for boys is to help girls because I've watched my daughters live out a reality in which the boys around them, the boys they wanted to relate to, the boys they ultimately might want to marry, um, you know, a lot of those boys were failing. And I've told these stories before about how my daughters, they would have boyfriends and and they would be helping those boyfriends hand in their homework, you know, because the boyfriends were so locked out of school. School was so net up, not set up for those boys that they were checking out already, you know, by freshman, sophomore year in high school and failing. And my, my daughters would be saying to me, you can't do that. You got to hand in that homework. They would be trying to get the boys uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the kind of thing. I mean, that I've seen that, how, how hard it is to have boys failing on girls and women. So, um, uh, you know, I was a boy. I've, I've, I think to some extent pioneered some work in boyhood development. And so I am known for that, let's say, in Wonder of Boys, my most popular book, I'm known for that. But um, I'm just as devoted to the cause of girls and women. So I think it's in other people's minds, this distinction. Um, not necessarily in my mind. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So on that note, uh, why don't you give everybody just a little bit of a heads up about the Helping Boys Thrive Summit that we're going to be doing in October, a tele-summit. Yeah, so on October 1st, so if you go to helpingboysthrive.org and, and you click the tele-summit button, which is right there, it'll take you then to the full tele-summit site. And on October 1st, I and you, Tim, and Marion Hill um, and Eva Dwight, everyone will see them there if you go to the site. We will be speaking, and we'll be doing that on October 1st live and also being able to take live questions then. And then it's all going to be recorded and stored. Um, it'll be on a site that's private for the registrants, uh, and and you'll have six more days. So you'll have till October 7th to watch and rewatch. So um, it's an incredible amount of value. And it's for anyone who's at all interacting with boys, you know, has anything to do with boys or men or male development or interactions. 
um, you know, teachers, parents, counselors, coaches, anyone involved with young males. Um, and, and by the end of the seven days, you know, and even if you just do it all on the one day, you'll walk away with dozens and dozens, I would estimate 50 or more strategies to use right away uh, with the boys in your life. So it's helpingboysthrive.org, telesummit. And it's really inexpensive. It's like 30 bucks. Yeah, and, for individuals, 30 bucks. For groups, 25 yep. bucks per. So it's really inexpensive. Our sponsors have been very generous. Yep, helpingboysthrive.org, October 1st. And then, uh, you know, if for some reason you can't be with us on that day, everything will still be available for you for a week. So it's it's just a great deal, helpingboysthrive.org. So, Michael, if, um, if you had the opportunity, which I'm going to give you right now, to say, this is my heart when it comes to boys and girls, what would you say? Um, I, I'm a child development advocate. So my heart is that, um, that we raise every child, um, you know, every boy and girl to have equal opportunity to have a parenting system, a school system, a counseling system that are matched to their needs as, uh, children and, um, as boys and girls, because the needs of boys and girls in each of these systems are somewhat different. And so I, I, my heart is really in the equity conversation. It's really in the development conversation. And I, I think that the things we face as adults in adult systems, like workplaces, like academe, um, you know, we talk about things that are going on in our culture, uh, you know, right now, whether it's disease, whether it's uh, protests, uh, police reform, you know, all these things that we talk about as adults about adults, um, you know, they all start in child development. So um, I, I, my expertise is in is in child development and then specifically in in sex and gender and how that impacts the whole lifespan. Uh, and, and I think my heart is is there in child development. And a lot of it is, since we're talking about the heart, a lot of it is because I had a really difficult childhood, right? And because I was a boy, so I had a really difficult boyhood, uh, a lot of trauma and. And I don't want any, you know, the next generation of children to experience that. I want to help them have families and cultural systems that save them from that trauma. So I'd say that's probably the guts of it. And in your work, when you're doing uh, these sessions, Helping Boys Thrive, or you're doing a Green Institute training of some sort, what is it that you're seeing in your work that gives you joy? Uh, yeah, you know, seeing people's eyes light up, even if it's virtually, you know, on Zoom, uh, seeing people's eyes light up where they go, oh, yeah, wow, that makes such sense. And, and, and where they go, oh, I could do that. I could do that. You know, that when I see their eyes light up, I know social change is going to happen. And um, I think that that gives me the most joy when people and of course, it can come through emails or Facebook posts or, you know, when people write their questions, like you who are listening, write your questions, you write your comments. And I can sense in it that what we're doing here is sacred work. And it is it is touching people's lives and improving the lives of children and and also, therefore, of adults. Uh, you know, that's that just feels great. And I think when people if, if it stops doing that, I think eyes won't light up and people won't write us these questions and these positive comments and and 
and then you know it'll be time for me to go <laughs> but uh, to to move on but i think that i think that i see so much of the eyes lighting up and i see the social change happening like okay i'll say another specific thing that gives me joy is our model schools and mm. like our head start programs our pilots so we're we're these also work at a systemic level and and that's a subset of what really gives me joy is the systemic change itself when I speak directly in a podcast or a speech or at a conference or at a school, you know, to parents, teachers, I, I see the eyes light up. I know I'm affecting. Then I don't know, is systemic change going to occur? Some social change is going to occur. I believe absolutely, and it does. But is systemic change going to occur? Hard to know. I get on a plane and go home or in this in, during COVID, you know, Zoom shuts off. Um, so, but systemic change is occurring in the pilots and in the model schools where the whole system has adjusted and adapted and they've seen that it doesn't cost much that it doesn't alter people's lives a huge amount you know it's not a tectonic shift and yet the system changes and now suddenly less discipline referrals for boys fewer boys getting expelled more girls doing better in stem more girls you know dealing with girl drama better you know the, because systemic change happened and um better grades and so on so that also gives me joy. I love to see systemic change. Well, Michael, it's been two years. Happy anniversary. You too. Happy anniversary. And people need to know this podcast would not have happened without Tim Wright. If Tim hadn't said, hey, Mike, we're going to do this. So thank you, Tim, for making <laughs> yep. these two years work. Well, you're very welcome. I, it's, I mean, it's always my pleasure just to sit and pick your brains. So I, I, I get the, uh, I, I think of, of all the people who've listened to our podcast, I'm probably the only one who hasn't missed any of them. <laughs> that's true yeah. yeah you and me yep <laughs> no wait so, a minute you did a podcast without me with someone didn't you i think i did yes well, so it's Greg only Jamford. you <laughs> yeah yeah i've been at all of them so far that's right yeah uh so uh once again want to remind you of our website a wonder where you can submit your questions there are resources there for you link to the center place of hope which is uh our sponsor and boy they have such great resources if you've if you've not looked at their site please do you'll find all kinds of great resources there uh to uh particularly in the these covid days where we're we're trying to stay sane mentally and emotionally and physically uh greg jance and his team have some great resources for you and then uh helping boys thrive is coming up october 1st it's a telesummit and again all the uh Sessions will be available for seven days after that. And uh, if you are interested in that, helpingboysthrive.org, helpingboysthrive.org. And uh, one of the things that we've said over and over on these podcasts is most of the questions that we get are about boys. But the next two podcasts are about girls, and they're good questions. We're going to start next week uh, with the story of the daughter who sleepwalks. And we hope you'll join us for that. Michael, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. We'll be with you next week.